Welcome to Scholastic Reads, our podcast about books, authors, and the joy and power of reading. I'm your host, Suzanne McCabe, Editor-at-Large at Scholastic. Thank you for joining us. Today, we're celebrating Pride Month with author and screenwriter Simon James Green. Simon will join us from his home in the United Kingdom to talk about Gay Club, his hilarious new young adult novel. The story revolves around Barney Brown, a gay teenager in a small town who is hoping to lead his high school's LGBTQ society to better days. In the presidential election, Barney, a self-described chess geek, meets his match in rival Bronte, who manages to have voting opened up to the entire student body at Greenacre Academy. Soon, the stakes are raised even higher, showing the teens at their worst, scheming and conspiring, and ultimately, at their best. Simon is also the author of Noah Could Never, Alex in Wonderland, Heartbreak Boys, and You're the One That I Want, among several other acclaimed titles for young people. I'm delighted to welcome him to the Scholastic Reads podcast. Hi, Simon. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Suzanne. It's lovely to be here. Please tell us about Gay Club, your new YA novel. Gay Club basically charts the race to be president of a school LGBT society. Uh, Now, it's not a very popular club. There's only four members in it. Two of them are Barney's best friends. So he thinks he's got 75% of the vote. He's going to be made president of the Gay Club. That is until Bronte, his election rival, manages to persuade the principal to open up voting to the entire student body. And that's when the gloves really come off of the election campaign and um, all sorts of shenanigans and dirty tricks ensue as they battle it out to win the presidency. It's just like a US presidential election. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. That's what that's sort of feel I was aiming for, really. You nailed it. Yeah, yeah. Could you read an excerpt for us and just set the stage for our listeners? Certainly. So this is um, a little bit from halfway through the election campaign where Bronte has, uh, has basically said that her guinea pig has died and she's got a lot of sympathy votes because of it. So, so Barney's team have to do something about that. You need to tweet your condolences, George tells me. Really? Well, do it. You're so sorry, thinking of her, sending love, thoughts and prayers, etc. Don't want to be seen as heartless, George explains. Well, I'm not heartless. Exactly. And this is the moment to temporarily bury the hatchet and offer a crumb of compassion to Bronte and her most likely fake dead guinea pig. If it's not dead, it probably will be soon, Mayor mutters darkly. I'm on my phone. Okay, so I'm putting, um, so sorry for your tragic loss, thinking of you and beautiful piggles, and then a broken heart emoji and a crying face? Too much, George says, might come across as sarcastic. I look up from the screen. Well, could the whole thing be interpreted that way? I mean, maybe I should delete tragic in that case. Sorry to hear this, Mayor offers. Sorry to hear this sad news, George adds, because yeah, tragic is a bit OTT, right? It's not a massacre. It's a dead rodent. 
Are they rodents, I ask? Or what did you think they were? Well, I don't know, like a type of mini pig, I guess. Oh, don't be ridiculous, Barney, George says. How about just a simple thinking of you? <laughs> There's a little little bit for you to show uh, how much uh, they get themselves tied in knots as they try and, uh, you know, keep control of their social media. <laughs> what inspired this story? And did all of these like plot twists come to you during the writing or did you have an outline beforehand? I think a couple of things inspired it. I mean, first of all, my debut novel came out in 2017 in the UK. And ever since then, I've been invited into quite a lot of schools to do author talks. And one thing they always ask me to do, because I, I write about LGBT characters, is I always get to talk to the pride clubs and the LGBT societies. And I was really sort of impressed by meeting these young people and just seeing how they were fighting to make their, their schools and their communities uh, a more accepting, kinder, happier kind of place. And so I did want to sort of write a book that was really for them and was a sort of love letter to those students in, in lots of ways for a start. But then, of course, you can't help but look at the state of politics, both in the UK and the US and all around the world, actually. And just see how increasingly ridiculous things seem to be getting and how, how extreme they are and how small things, especially with social media, can be blown out of all proportion and become huge news stories, even when they probably shouldn't. And I wanted to capture a little bit of that sort of, that, that sort of craziness almost of, of this in, you know, very well-connected world we all now live in and have to try and somehow navigate, I guess. Yes, I guess I'm a little insular because when I was reading the book, I thought, oh my goodness, this is just like the US. I had no idea <laughs> that the UK was as crazy as we are. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. I think, it's <laughs> I think we're seeing it everywhere now and forever seeing politicians, you know, and they'll be engaged in various sleazy scandals, naturally, of course, but then, you know, people dredging up maybe tweets from eight or nine years ago or something like that. And all sorts of stuff, yeah. And you have snowflakes too and trigger warnings? Oh, 100%, absolutely. Oh, yes, there's all, I mean, all of that discourse that's going on at the moment is happening definitely in both countries, right? And, and further afield than that, absolutely. And How do you cope with the pushback and the book bannings and things like that where people aren't welcoming to you and your work? It's been a really horrible and challenging time, I'll be honest, since that's all kind of flared up. And it's, it's only really been in the last couple of years that I've, I've really noticed it and it's really happened. I think, you know, for me, I deal with it because I, I always keep in mind the, the young people I'm writing for. And, and, you know, although the books can and should be read by everybody of all ages, when I go into the schools and visit those students, those teenagers, and talk to them, actually, I am filled with a sense of hope because... Uh, the, my overwhelming impression is that they are very open, very accepting. They really don't understand this pushback from various adults in their communities. They don't get it. They think it's ridiculous. And that gives me hope for the future that actually we're going to, we're going to ride this storm out and, and, and hopefully kind of get over it. And of course, the other thing is that here in the UK, we had a little uh, law called Section 28, which was in place between 1988 until 2003. And that actually banned LGBT books from school libraries. So it's exactly the same sort of thing that a lot of states in the US are currently trying to do. It's exactly the same thing, you know, and for exactly the same kinds of reasons. People were using the excuse of this isn't appropriate for children or young people. It shouldn't be discussed. All those kinds of things. All the arguments we're hearing now 
have all been said before back in the back in the 80s and I remember that time I remember how damaging it was for me because I was at school during that period of time and I'm determined that shouldn't be allowed to happen again anywhere you know I know the damage it can cause young people so I think it's really important to stand up and fight against that. Good for you I'm so proud of you. What do you hope kids today know that you wish you had known at their age something that really would have helped you get through a tough time? I think, you know, one of the things, it's very hard to work out who you are as a young person if you never see yourself represented in a book. And certainly for me, in the, in the 90s, for example, because of that Section 28 legislation I was telling you about, I never got to see a, an LGBT character in a book or an LGBT storyline. And so I grew up having no real idea about that. It would have had such an amazing effect on me, I think, if I'd seen a kid going through what I was going through, feeling similar things. It gives you an enormous amount of reassurance and comfort. It lets you know you're not the only one. And beyond that, of course, even if you're not LGBT yourself, what it does is it opens your eyes to the whole world, the wider world, the stuff that your friends, your peers are going through themselves, perhaps. And I think the world just becomes a better place when we all understand one another a little bit more and understand the kind of obstacles that other people have been facing and the challenges in their life, you know. So for me, it can only be a positive when we read these books. And I think if younger Simon had access to the, the sort of titles we have out in the world today, gosh, I don't know what would have happened. I think I, think I would have had a much easier time in my kind of mid to late teens and early 20s, for sure. I think that would have helped me an awful lot. You might not have developed that sense of humor and sense of irony, though. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true, actually, Suzanne, because I think, I think actually out of those challenges does come humor sometimes. And certainly the way I dealt with a lot of those feelings was through comedy, definitely. That was really important to me as a kind of armor, in a way, because it sort of protected me against some of the worst sort of stuff that was happening. So I agree. I do think actually out of, out of all that sort of trauma can come, can come some good, definitely. Yeah. And some resilience. Now, Gay Club is brand new. You're already a best-selling author. How does this book differ or how is it similar to your previous work? I think my, my previous, so before this, there were five young adult novels. And I would say they vary between kind of all out almost slapstick comedy, which was really important to me at the time. I wanted to write that sort of thing. And also kind of quite warm, fuzzy rom-com types of things. Now, Gay Club is still funny and it is a, does still have a, a kind of romance element to it. But I really wanted to do something a bit more political with this book. And that was, that was very much born out of seeing what was happening in the world, actually, when I was writing it, which was back in about the summer of 2021. So, so a couple of years ago, when I was writing the first draft, and I was just aware of this growing tide of anti-LGBT hate, which was started on Twitter initially, and then started bubbling over into uh, kind of other areas. And it suddenly occurred to me that I was, you know, I was seeing the same arguments that I remembered from back in the 80s and 90s in the UK, the same kind of rhetoric. And it was a scary time. And I thought to myself, if you're a teenager today, you might not have really have experienced so much of that or understand where it's coming from. So I really wanted to write something which kind of alerted them to the fact that we've kind of been here before with a lot of this. And actually, also, what you need to do is stand together, united, 
to fight for your rights and for freedom and for the freedom to read whatever book you want to read in the school library. And it's very important that, that you know, as a community, you put your differences aside. You might not agree on everything, but, you know, you put your differences aside and, and really fight for that, that better world because there are people out there who very sadly want to take it away from you. I love that your work is really not just entertaining, but a lifeline, I'm sure, for many young people. I sort of hope it is. I think, you know, I always think that when I go and visit the schools and I I think to myself, there's probably one kid in this audience of 250 who probably really needs to hear this and for whom it will mean an awful lot to hear it, even if they're not out themselves or they're just confused or thinking about stuff. I think it's really powerful when you see positive role models and positive representation and hopefully it it tells those young people that actually it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. When did you first know you wanted to be a writer? I mean, I have been writing for years and years. I, I wrote my first my, <laughs> my first book when I was 12 years old on my grandma's typewriter in her oh. little study at home. And it was a kind of very serious thriller. It was called Toxic Danger. And it was all about that it featured like plane crashes and nuclear waste and bombs and all sorts of things. It's very dramatic. I loved it as a 12-year-old. And I've always enjoyed the process of coming up with characters, creating story worlds, writing stories. It was always my favourite part of any English class at school, as if we got to create our own stories. It was great. But like a lot of people, I think I never thought it was a serious career choice and it was something I could do. And, you know, to be clear, it's not in many ways. It's a, it's, it's a ridiculous career. So I went to university. I studied law, actually. I did a law degree because I thought I wanted to be some kind of lawyer. Realised fairly soon that actually that was a bit dry for me, probably not the thing I wanted to do. Ended up working in theatre for quite a while, actually, Suzanne. I was a, a theatre director and I worked on lots of big West End musicals and shows and that sort of thing. But all that time, I was always writing in my spare time and evenings at weekends because I just loved it and I just carried on doing it. I think I got to the point where I just thought, let's see if we can actually make this work out in a, in a, in a way that's going to maybe pay the bills a little bit, you know. <laughs> uh, and I thought, I'll give it a go because I think if you don't give things a try, uh, then you'll never know, will you? So I, I wrote various books and like many authors, had lots of things rejected along the way, but eventually managed to hit hit the nail on the head with with one of them which uh, scholastic uk uh, took on initially and and the rest is kind of history from there <laughs> well congratulations what a stellar career Thank and you. i want to know what's next for gay club i think i read something about television yeah so you did um gay club was optioned for television a few weeks ago so i have been busy working with the production company and with my co-writer for the screenplay We've written a pilot for the first episode, and that is now out with kind of broadcasters to have a look at and see if any of them actually want to kind of commission it and greenlight it for, for a you know, full-on TV show. So, I mean, as I'm sure you know, it's a um, lots of hurdles along the way <laughs> with this sort of thing, yeah. lots of pitfalls, lots of opportunities for people to turn it down and say no but it's really nice that it's got that that first initial interest and we've been able to work on it and actually it's now out being pitched to all, all the usual people and it would be it, obviously it would be fantastic if that were to happen I think just in terms of it reaching that wider audience that a show on Netflix or Apple or Amazon or wherever can bring that would be 
obviously truly wonderful <laughs> so it would be a hilarious show i can picture it just oh it would be with his yes vote party <laughs> no, he would you know it would be it would be glorious to sit on screen and see those characters battling it out being savage to one another because the book is full of these lgbt kids being frankly awful to each other through through 75 percent of the book but that's kind of the joy of it and of course of course the key thing is you know do, do they have what it takes to actually when it really counts stand together and fight for that better world and hopefully they do but along the way goodness me there's there's a lot of backstabbing and <laughs> well, everybody's human right <laughs> oh, absolutely it happens you know especially politicians <laughs> quite right it's been such a pleasure to talk with you i just have one more question what are you working on now well i've just had um a novel called boy like me published in the uk now interestingly that is set back in the 1990s actually and is all about the section 28 law i mentioned at the beginning of this and it's about two boys basically who um it's a romance between these two boys who find love in the shadow of this really draconian horrible law which forbids any mention of being LGBT in schools. And what happens when one of them, Jamie, is given basically an illegal library book by uh, a hero librarian in his school. And it's a book which, for the first time, he reads it and he sees himself on the page. You know, he sees, he sees a 16-year-old boy who's confused about his sexuality and who is probably gay, you know, and, and he really connects with that. It's a really powerful moment uh, for him. So obviously that... <laughs> wrote that not knowing quite how pertinent it would be by the time we got around to publication um but here we are with with once again these book bans happening all over the place and once again young people being deprived of books that could help them could save their lives change their lives and be a positive influence so fantastically that is going to be coming out in the u.s uh with scholastic next year which is wonderful news so i'm really excited about that because yeah, I mean, having having anything out in the US is always an absolute honour and a pleasure, you know, so I can't wait to see what US readers make of that, uh, for sure. So that'll be, that'll be the next one for you guys. And, you know, I'm working on various new projects, which will hopefully see the light of day in the next year or so. So there's some other stuff on the horizon as well. Oh, it's wonderful to hear. I can't wait to read the book when it gets to the US. It'd be great. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be wonderful. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Simon. It's been such a joy to talk with you. It's been an absolute pleasure, Sam. Thank you very much for having me. My great thanks again to author and screenwriter Simon James Green for joining me today. And thank you for listening. To learn more about Gay Club and other acclaimed titles by Simon and for additional Pride Month book recommendations, check the show notes or go to scholastic.com slash podcast. Special thanks to producer Maxine Osa, sound engineer Daniel Jordan, and music composer Lucas Elliott Eberl. I'm Suzanne McCabe. We look forward to sharing more Scholastic Reads next time. Mm-hmm.